The Legendarium Podcast is brought to you by, by you. So please visit patreon.com slash legendarium to, to support the show. But for now, welcome to The Legendarium. The, the only thing that I'll repeat is that in, in episode 176, I used the phrase, jump the lefty shark. Uh, I, I wish I hadn't, not because I don't think it's the case, but because we do try to keep politics out of the podcast, so I should have not used that one single word. That was a mistake. Whatever. Welcome, everybody, to the Legendarium Podcast, a special episode, and by special, I mean... Well, I mean... What, what do you mean, Craig? I mean short bus, kind of special. <laughs> um, all right, my name is Craig Hanks, and I am your host, and over there, well, he's less Oasis and more Mirage, it's Ryan Bruckman. Not really sure what reference that is, which is how I felt through certain portions of the movie, too. Yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> and the key to solving him... Go backwards and get him out of your life. It's Todd Wenty. I've heard that from a lot of people, but not my wife. Okay. Uh, there you go. Uh, all right. I'm, I'm, throwing, I'm throwing a gift to my wife. I'm, and I'm throwing you a gift by not pursuing jokes on that one. Let's be honest. You're thinking, yes, she would. Okay. So... I'm just avoiding back to backwards jokes. With... That's, that's uh, yeah, exactly correct. Um, anyway, welcome, everybody. This It's just the three of us. Um, apparently. So I hope that this is a good episode. We, now we to, were the only three brave enough to come in <laughs> today. Today, well, that's actually not far off because we're gonna have some death threats because I got my dates mixed up, and I know for the last week or two I've been telling people, yeah, I think the ninth is gonna be our first uh, King uh, Killer episode, King Killer. Yep. And yeah, turns... I hurried and read because to catch up to meet that. Oh, deadline. really? I'm sorry. I, I congratulations. Simply got my dates mixed up. It was my bad. Uh, I we need another week to prepare for that. So today we are doing a little bit of uh, rando movie catch up and whatever else. So look, I know that there are some of you out there that just live for the book episodes and don't care about anything else. If that describes you, leave now. Thank you. It or, was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. Yeah, exactly. Week. That's exactly right. Send your hate mail to the Legendarium Podcast, care of Craig Hanks. The thing is, I know that there are a lot of people, there may be even more people than that, who really love these episodes, uh, where we just kind of, you know, shoot the shit for a little while and uh, whatever else. So that's what we're going to do. We are going to be talking Ready Player One. I finished Jessica Jones Season 2 for this. Did you Um, go see A Quiet Place? No, I I didn't get to it. I've heard that's really good. I haven't seen um, it yet. I had changed my movie that I was going to go see so I could see that so I could talk about it today. And are now you going to talk, talk about it? I'll talk about yeah, it. Yeah, no, no, it's fine. That's the other thing is that anything we talk about, uh, we are going to spoil. So th- that's just your blanket warning now. If you hear something come up and you're not ready to have it spoiled yet, just shut it off. Um, whatever. I'll put some time codes in the description. I think so. Um, you know, when we go to different subjects, we can, you, you can move along with us. If you want to skip past something, that's fine. Uh, anyway, but, uh, before we get to movie stuff, how's everybody doing? How was your week? Ryan, what'd you do this week? I feel very awkward that you're asking me this. Like, how, how you doing, man? We don't, we don't talk like this, Craig. Just, we don't, we don't do this. Are you talking about on the podcast or me and you? Period. Yes. <laughs> 
What'd you What'd you do this week? Um, <laughs> there must have been something interesting from this week. N- no, <laughs> no, really, Todd. What'd you do this week? I had to answer. I had to answer all kinds of questions about why I was bald. Oh, that's right. Yeah, this has been a this has been an interesting week. I've I've had the the top three the top three questions about uh, for those of you that that watched the live feed, you saw me. Uh, being butchered by Craig. Thank you very I, much. Not one drop of blood. <laughs> not one. I shaved that man's entire head. He he did. He did. Not one drop of blood. It's a good thing I brought in my own implements. Otherwise, he would have been using the rusty shears that he uses on the hedge. It was actually painful to watch. I sat there and when it came up and like I think it was it was in between the second and third video because it got broken up obviously. Yeah. And my wife sat down next to me and she went through cosmetology school and she has haircutting kits and everything and she hears the buzzer go off and she's like. Don't use those. It was like a horror film. She got. She was like, "Don't use those." He needs to. There's a screw on the side. Tighten it. It'll stop that buzzing noise. I, I found it. I found the screw, but not until after we had done all the damage that we possibly could to my head. No, the thing is, those didn't even work. Like I would run them through, and I, maybe because said screw was not tightened, it didn't cut a damn thing. I, I think that's the reason. Um, so it was. It was. It was fun. It was it was a good it was a, it was an entertaining episode and it was an entertaining kind of a, a yeah. period of time. Uh, but more entertaining has been answering the questions. So the the top three that I've been hearing are, Todd, are are you okay? Is there is there something wrong that we need to know about? And I've been like, I'm not coming down with a disease. I'm not going through chemotherapy. If this is so. The I'm second just a big one, fan of Britney Spears, uh, circa <laughs> 2000. Uh, now kindly leave her alone. The the second one has been uh, midlife crisis. Are you just trying something new because you're bored? I'm like, no, no, no not even that. And the third one was, did, have you lost a bet? Um, I've heard that so many times, and I've. And, you know, it's funny, you tell people, uh, um, you know, Craig, you're probably used to this a little bit more now, but probably not in the past. Ryan, you totally get it. I just said, it's a show. I, I got a role in a show, and the character has to be bald, so I'm bald for the next 90 days. And people look at me with this, and they say, wow, that's commitment. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's theater. It's just what we do. Yeah, it's no, not that big a deal. That's commitment. Yeah. You guys, there are things y'all, called y'all's... bald, cap, bald caps. Uh, and... You know, <laughs> We, and we talked about doing one of those, and the reality is, in the theater that I'll be performing in, it, it just wouldn't look good. Look, Everybody I feel I feel fine saying this because we have so much representation from the community theater community uh, on this show, week in and week out. So I'll go ahead and say this: y'all are weird. You guys are weirdos. Okay, Commun- thanks. Community theater people are weird. So from from a non community so theater person to you, the point is no, no. My point is my point is when people are like, "Wow, that's commitment," and you're like, "No, it's not. It's just theater." It's no, that's commitment. You're like like that's com- a, com- that is a that is a thing for you, and it is not a thing that would be a thing for other people. I I believe that who have other things. I, I actually that. think we the argument, and this would only happen as an argument between two theater people. You didn't need to shave your head. That line does not require you to be bald. You could refer to hair on other parts of your oh, body. Oh man, okay. I, I and I did that in a show previously. I had been uh, I had been doing a lot of bike racing, and so I'd shaved my legs. And so when I said the hair never grows back, I pulled up my pant leg and showed my <laughs> my shaved leg. And Ken, who was also on this podcast, was my counterpart in the other cast. He shaved his legs to do the same to do the same bit, and it was it got the it got the most laughs that I have ever seen any bit ever get. We'll see what happens with this one, but nice, yeah, it's just kind of fun. Uh, well, guess what I did this week? I walked on sacred ground. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Um, it's not 
particularly sacred to me, but uh, to Ryan especially. We'll forgive you that. Uh, so I, I went to Disneyland this week uh, on a work trip. That was my that was my Thursday at the office <laughs> this week. They they took a bunch of us to Disneyland, which was pretty cool. So I rode the Guardians of the Galaxy ride, which is mm-hmm. new down there. Oh, I'm um, so jealous. of It that. was okay. It was fine. Now, here's the thing: is like the building. It's in the old. It was a Tower of Terror. Yeah, the Tower ride. of Terror ride. Um, the building is really cool. They've done it up really well, so it looks like the inside of Yondu's ship or something like that. The collector. It's, but the it's, it's supposed to be the collector's yeah. place. Yeah. But the ride is basically Tower of Terror. It's Tower of Terror with different clips. Okay. Right. Okay. And so you've got uh, Chris Pratt kicking little alien bugs again, and like, and it's fine. So it was so, fun. And it you changes would... each time you go on it. Were like you in the tours. Were you in the middle seat on the back row where the uh, where the seat belt is not supposed to be functional? No, I got the I got the front row. So, <laughs> so you had the lap bar in place. Yeah, because when I when I rode that line that ride, I was in the middle seat and the the seat belt was not functional oh, until no. they turn it on and then they let it drop and then it works. Oh, but until that moment, you are I bouncing was, all um, over the place. It, it was so, awesome. So a lot of people will be familiar with the ride. It, it's in all sorts of amusement parks where it's just a tower with a few things and it shoots you up and you draw, or it drops you down or whatever. Yeah. Um, and you, you're, so you're sitting in this seat with your legs dangling and you have this thing over your shoulders and uh, and that that's your restraint. And I was on the one here locally in Utah um, what do they call it? The rocket. The rocket. That's right. Uh, anyway, so I'm on the rocket, and I'm on the one where it kind of cranks you up really slowly, and then it holds you up at the top, and then drops you down in free fall. Uh, and we're halfway up, and my restraint came loose, <laughs> and I shat myself, uh, almost literally. <laughs> I was gonna say, wait, literally. I, look. <laughs> so. All I could do, all I could do, I pulled it down as best I could and just clutched for dear life. You know, my, my legs that are dangling, I've got them wrapped up under the seat, just like clenching as hard as I can. And I got down and just laid into these people. And I mean, it's not their fault. It was like some mechanical malfunction. Um, looking back now, I'm like, dude, I could have gotten millions out of this. Yes, you could have. Oh my gosh. How did I not see that? But anyway, I guess I'm just not that litigious. But like I, that was probably the scaredest I've ever been in my entire life. Wow. So anyway, they shut the ride down after that and everything. And it was this whole thing. And so it was your fault. I, yeah, I guess. (laughs) Anyway. Um, but the thing is, so I went to Disneyland. I did the rides, did Indy twice. Cause. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Um, which by the way, reminds me Temple of Doom, probably the best indie film. It's at least the, the most underrated. I'll Um, give it that. I'll give it it's, that. Uh, it, I just love Temple of Doom. I find it endlessly entertaining. Uh, so anyway, uh, Disneyland was not the highlight of the trip. So we're staying in Redondo Beach, right on the uh, right on the coast, right on the shoreline at this hotel. And just down the street is the pier. And on the first night, uh, we use this work function. And so we had this banquet and everybody's banqueting. And uh, people are getting a little bit... Uh, sloshed. A little sloshed. And uh, inebriated, and I, I won't tell you which uh person it was just because I mean, this is a public forum and I don't want to, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but it was somebody who was higher up than I am in the company by a significant margin, which is not difficult to do, by the way. But anyway, this person had been drinking since like noon, like they they landed and started drinking and did not stop. And so we had dinner and this person's like running around trying to get everybody to eat flowers because he thought it was hilarious. Um, and then 
when he said he now we've narrowed it down when we uh, when we get done with dinner uh some people are like we're going out to the bars there's a bunch of bars on the pier and uh and i was like uh, I'll, I'll go out it's like nine o'clock i'm not ready to go to bed so i went out with all these people and this guy um uh is buying everybody drinks buying himself drinks and he gets so hammered uh, by the end of the night that he offered me five hundred dollars to take the flagpole with the American flag off the front of the bar and take it and insert it into the hose of a shop vac that was sitting on the uh, on the deck of a boat in you know on the pier, um, if I would just do that because he thought it would be the funniest thing in the world. I gotta say, like easiest five hundred dollars you ever made. Well, no, no, I didn't do that because <laughs> honestly, here's the thing: is like I knew if I took him up on it. Uh, first of all, there would probably be like some marina security that would like gang tackle me into the water or something probably. like that. So I, Craig's not ready for prison. <laughs> he, he would not do well. He's, so, he's too pretty for prison. So there's so there's that. But then also the fact that like I didn't want this person to like wake up in the morning and open their wallet and then just like get on Instagram and like hashtag me too. Oh no! And like <laughs> like I didn't want to be that guy. Um, so. I so I didn't take him up on it and, and the excuse I used was well you don't have 500 bucks in your pocket right now and he goes nope no problem and he goes to the parking garage next door and tries to pull $500 out of the parking meter with his <laughs> library card <laughs> I've I've I there so there's drunk and then there's there's using a parking meter as an ATM drunk <laughs> with your library card with your library um, card it was um it honestly it was one of the highlight nights of my entire life i cannot describe to you how much fun this person was uh while they were just completely hammered so thank goodness they weren't like a mean drunk or something but anyway uh that was my week it was the most it, i i just wanted to bring this up because literally that night i will never forget a guy offering me 500 bucks to put a flag in a shop vac on a boat. That was awesome. <laughs> so, uh, hashtag not me, sorry. I would, uh, I have this image of a guy looking at a parking meter. Come on, man, come <laughs> was, on. I, had I put to, in my pen like four times. The thing is, he was, is not coming he was out. trying to put his card, the library card wasn't working, obviously, and, and uh, he so he did finally fish out, I think it was a debit card, it might have been a credit card, but he's trying to put it into where it takes the actual parking ticket, not the card. And that would not have ended well, obviously. So I'm like grabbing his hand. I'm like, come on, let's go back. Let's let's get you another drink, buddy. Oh, all right. Shiny. Do, do we have chicken fingers? Are there still chicken fingers? I think there's still chicken fingers. Let's go see. It, oh, it, was, my it was awesome. It was one of the best nights of my life. So Those are one of the times when it's nice to be the sober one in the group. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, Ryan, you literally you're the most boring person in the world. So right now I'm in a holding pattern waiting for my next rehearsal series to start, which is next week. I think. Yeah, it's next week. So I think it's on the 17th, isn't it? No, uh, it's on the 18th. Why are you? Why are we talking dates? Nobody cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> it starts. It starts soon. <laughs> um, but I'm not home very often, so I've just kind of taken the last five days that I've been home and actually. Decided that hey, I would take I care of things. See at, your child. I you know do laundry and take care of things at home for a little bit. Let my son know, hey, I am your father. I I know I only did see you. Did you follow that with? <laughs> no, no. I did have somebody ask me, Lord Vader, please put back the helmet. <laughs> I was like, wow, thanks, appreciate that. 
But yeah, so that's, I really haven't been doing much lately because I was just taking advantage of the little bit of time that I have before I become entirely unavailable again. Sure, sure. Well, I'm going to love that. that. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to love that part of your life. So is your <laughs> wife, I'm sure. Um, okay, well, uh, you both saw sometime in the last 10 days or so, you've both seen Ready Player One. Yes, I did see the movie called Ready Player One. Uh, uh, now, we were all three of us on the book episode, right? So, Correct. Yes. All right. So we've all read the book also. Um, <sighs> Ready Player One was a movie. And that's what I got. Ryan, what do you want to say about it? So I actually want to preface this a little bit. This is probably my wife's favorite science fiction style fantasy book. Really? Yes. She loves it. She's read it like four times. She was really looking forward to the movie, wasn't she? Yes, she was. This is the only movie, the only movie in the history of our marriage that she has said, you will take me to this opening day. Really? Okay. Even including Star Wars? Including. Yes. <laughs> so she's been super excited about this film the whole time. Oh, no. This, yes. The, no, no, this no. Is not a good, this is not a good way to approach a, a movie adaptation of a book. Uh, yeah, um, certainly not this book. Yeah. Um, well, even from, I'm sorry, before you go on, because I see where you're go, going with this, even from the previews, if you watched any of the previews, it became very apparent, very quickly, apparent. that the book would have, uh, it, it would point the movie in a certain direction, but then that was about it, right? So anyway, yeah. so what did she think? Well, she she came out disappointed because she felt that they told the wrong story uh, out of the book, that there were okay. there were other elements of the story that were worth telling. Um, that they elected not to utilize. Okay. Um, which is fine. I totally agree with that. Um, the thing about it, this movie, uh, I I had a hard time the first time when I was watching it. The whole time I'm sitting here going, gauging her response next to me. It was, right. It was so hard to... It's so hard to enjoy a movie that way. It's like... When you're worried about somebody else's reaction. I know. I know. I can tell right now that she doesn't hate it, but she's not loving it. Yeah. And so it was harder for me to really get into it, but it also actually gave me a buffer a little bit, and the fact that I haven't read the book for a little while, for me to be able to sit there and just watch this movie and not worry about how does this connect to the book, yeah, because I don't remember enough. I didn't remember enough details to be like, or I remembered enough details to be like, yes, I remember the story, I remember the key elements, but I don't remember, you know, exactly what each of the challenges were. I couldn't remember those those pieces. <laughs> so when I'm going through this movie and I came out of it, and I went. You know, I actually really liked that. That was good. It was an enjoyable movie. And if this was not an adaptation of a book that I know, and then I know that they've come and missed a bunch of things on, or that mm -hmm. I've elected not yeah, to tell. Yeah, skipped some stuff. I would actually call this a really, really good original film. Agreed. Like You would call it a good I original would. film. But we can't. But we I have think... to call it, we have to call it a poorly executed. Oh, I don't think we have to call that. A poorly no. executed no. adaptation. No, 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 no. <laughs> You're saying it was a well-executed adaptation. It's a, it is a very well-executed executed adaptation. Not perfectly. Look, I'm not saying that this film is like going to go down in history as one of the great works of art or something like that. <laughs> um, but this movie, it, it is this this is the definition of an adaptation. Where it's like, okay, we have this book. We have this source material. We cannot get through it all. And so there's two ways you can go with this. You can go the Harry Potter 5 route. Which is, oh, you know, to hell with the story. We'll just grab a few scenes that everybody loved from the book, film them, and put them together. Uh, stitch them together, call it a movie, and everybody will love it. 
and it's it just from a storytelling perspective, it's worthless. Harry Potter five. Okay. Um, this one. Please send all hate mail to the legendary <laughs> podcast, Carol. <Karen O'Kran. laughs> um, I'm talking. But I agree with you on that. Actually, storytelling. Like, that's the only. Uh, that's the only thing I'm taking on with. Totally that agree. Totally agree. Um, anyway, with uh, with this one, it's no. We we can't get to all this stuff. Some of this is unfilmable. Like in the when he gets the first key. He's playing Joust with the Lich King from D and D. Like yes. that is which some I wanted... boring that is some boring freaking movie right there. Wait a minute. No, Todd, I You just... don't do you not hold the finger up at me. I, that you is bet I will. <laughs> this this would be That would have been so cool. Awful. Awful. It would have been so awesome. No, anyway, it so would have been point... cool for about three seconds to go, that's the Lich King, and then we're like and then they just play Joust, and you're like, oh, that's right. I remember Joust and how freaking boring it is. I loved Joust. Sure you did, because you were a boring kid. That's fine. We <laughs> well, all that's, were. That's kind of true. We all were. That's fine. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying, like, as a movie, that would be a poor bit of storytelling. You would be watching 15 minutes of the people in the end of this movie where they have the each of the agents lining up on the ice in front of the Atari. <laughs> that was funny. The Atari. <laughs> that was, like, that it would was just be really watching funny. 15 minutes of that. Exactly. You wouldn't so, have had to do 15 minutes. You could have done, you know, um, you could have done 180 seconds. Yes. So and that would have been thing. cool. Here's the thing. Um, the movie, it, it, what I'm getting at is that this is an adaptation, not a, like the book is not the screenplay, right? They, they didn't treat it as right. such. So it's, I'd say it's less enjoyable than the book in that it's, uh, it's less immersive, right? Okay. And so, and in that way, it's a little bit less fun you, you you can't play with as many just like shameless references in yeah. the movie you just don't have time or space for that and so the book in that way is more fun and i also think the book as a storytelling experience the book is tighter and better constructed than the movie as yes. far as you know the hero's journey yes. and all that stuff like it's it's much more classically uh well told um, however, the movie is more enjoyable than the book because it's uh, it's like a highly distilled version of what the book is. If the book is all about getting you drunk on nostalgia, then the book is your uh, nice red wine. Uh, but then the movie is a very it's a it's a it's a thrice distilled brandy. That it, you know, this thing is going to get you messed up real quick. Anyway, that's, that's Craig all obviously t- spent a lot more time in the bars than he's letting on <laughs> I was gonna this say, trip. The amount of trust that people will have in us referencing liquor is probably <laughs> pretty low. Although I think you're right. From uh, no, it, I, my my point is just that um, it, it's the spirit of the book is there. We're not there. we're not f- nice. <laughs> We're not feeling obligated to put in this or that scene, yeah. you know, like you like you do in Harry Potter Five. They just took the spirit of the book and said, "Okay, so there's this idea of this this hunt. Well, we that scene isn't really going to work because we're not going to set up the whole school planet and all that yeah, stuff. Let's yeah. just do a race. That'll be exciting, and we can put all sorts of crap in there. Like it which I works which for I think me. which I, I and I okay. So from a standpoint of the the question that's always that that. I'm sure you're thinking, did I like the movie? Yeah, I liked the movie, but was did I think it was a well-executed adaptation? No, I think it was a well-executed inspiration. There was inspiration that was taken from it, but for for me to consider it an adaptation, they have to take that story and they have to tell that story, and they did not. It was a it was a different story being told, and they were they were using they were using a lot of the same kinds of ideas. So it was inspired by the book. 
I you know, I don't know if this is true, but I heard that Steven Spielberg had the rights to this before the book was even published. It's possible. Um, and so if that's the case, he may have been, you know, he may have read uh, some pre-published draft of the book and said, oh, this is awesome. And kind of already had his own designs it's on what way he wanted to go long before the book ever came very out. Very possible. Right? Very possible. And um, I think that I think the best phrase that I could use for this film is that it was more approachable to people who had not read the book. If you'd not read the book and you were going into it and, and you were going to go in and, and see this movie, yeah, the way the book was originally written, it'd be a pretty boring movie in places yeah. because you'd have to deal with some things that for those of us that read the book, they, there were there were some parts of it that were page turners. There were some parts of it that you kind of slogged through a little bit. That's the nature of it just about every book except for a Brandon Sanderson book when you get in the last hundred pages. Right. Um, but but this was approachable. I took my I took my kids, my two youngest kids, who had um, no idea what adventure was, or they had uh, they, they had no clue. They're of, like, I think I've seen that car before. Isn't that on one of those old movies you watch from the eighties, yep, Dad? Yep. They're ninety percent of the movie. They were saying, in fact, when they rolled out the Buckaroo Bonsai disguise or the Buckaroo Bonsai outfit costume, I just I just squealed like a little girl because I was Paul Reiser, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. <laughs> and I. I love Buckaroo Banzai. I'm I never like the saw only, it. I'm the only person in Kaysville that ever rented the film. And the reason that I know that is because my name was on the on the checkout card from 1987 and again in 1991 when I showed it to my wife. Um, I was the only one. The only one. She hasn't um, been married since 91. I've been married since 91. That's freaking adorable. You're That's, so old. I am so old. Uh, but... But yeah, you know the the there's a lot of references that were that were better that were that were told visually in the show that they did a wonderful job. It was very let me, approachable. Let me ask you this: but it was not an adaptation; it was an inspiration. And I'm I'm going to throw this one to Ryan. Um, there's the scene in the book when they go through. I think it's like the second gate, maybe, and um, and Parsville has to act out Matthew Broderick's scenes from War Games. War Games. Mm-hmm. War Games. Sorry. Uh, and it's it's kind of a funny idea, and it's the sort of thing that really kind of like tickles the nostalgia bones of um, uh, all of us. Really, this idea that like, yeah, I could I could one thousand percent do this with my favorite movies, uh, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark or Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Like, yes, I could speak every single line of dialogue from that. That's fine. Um, so it's a, it's a fun scene in the book, and in this one. Again, kind of like the whole Lich King thing. Like, uh, first of all, IP laws kind of get in the way. But then second of all, boring, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, time out. Let's watch another movie. And you can only montage so many things in a movie before you're like, because you can like <laughs> right. montage them scene to scene to scene like and cut right. through the whole thing really quick. But but this is a major set piece. And so instead they have the shining scene. Oh, that was mm-hmm. awful. So tell me, I don't care what Todd thinks. I want to hear what you have to say, Ryan. <laughs> I came from a very, my problem with The Shining was what I think a lot of viewers come to with this movie as a whole. I'm not, I haven't seen The Shining. Oh, really? I didn't know what, ref, like, is this a reference? Is this a reference? Like, I'm Captain America, you know. You haven't seen to, The Shining. I haven't seen The Shining. That's amazing. I've seen segments of The Shining, but um, I haven't seen it. So I was sitting here going, I don't understand the importance of the door reference number, but I can tell because of the way that it's shot. And like, my knowledge of cinema is enough to know, like, Right. That's, that is an, a reference to something. Um, and so there's a lot of that that I was just like, okay, I don't know if you're doing a good job paying homage or if you're, if it's, this is like multiple pieces or whatever. And I kind of just let it go and I I was okay with it. Like, yeah, 
because I didn't because you I didn't, were, know you didn't have anything invested in them doing a good job with it. Exactly. Okay. All right. So that's that's the thing there, and that's for the film as a whole. The most most people I've talked to who have been like, "Oh, should I go see Ready Player One?" My first question is, "Have you read the book?" Yeah. Oh, do I need to read the book first? No. Yeah. Go watch the movie first, and then enjoy the book in that order. That's the correct order to do this. Oh, in. really? You think yeah. so? I do. I do because you will fully you'll be able to enjoy the movie so much, and then you'll have a an even better experience with the book in this. Whereas normally I'll flip the script on the, and say go read the book and then watch the movie. Um, and so the other thing is things like the reference in The Shining, uh, reference to The Shining, and a lot of the characters and things like that, I feel like Steven Spielberg did a smart move, although not necessarily one that I enjoyed as much, in modernizing a number of the references. There was still 80s stuff galore in sure. this, but when Jim Rayner walks up, Oh, that was <laughs> a great moment. Like, oh, yeah. that's so cool. Yes, I play StarCraft. I know that. You know, and you see Minecraft land in the in the initial right. yes. sickening spin through if you watch it in 3D. Yeah, <laughs> I did not. Hard. I deliberately avoided that. I, I We watched it in 3D, and it was fine except for that opening segment where they decided, like, the camera can never not be swirling. Yeah, even, yeah. even in XD, that was hard. We watched it in XD, and it was it was rough. So I'm, I was watching that going through and, you know, seeing all these references and seeing them modernized, and I went... That's a smart idea because that'll let kids now, especially mm-hmm. people, attach to it the way that our generation attaches to so, the 80s stuff. Sure. But it makes which, this movie not timeless. Which way does that go, though? Is it Was it smart? Be, oh, as though the book is timeless. The book will... Uh, yes. It, it barely holds on today. Uh, but no, the... Um, so was it Spielberg or whoever else being kind of smart and saying, well, maybe we should bring it up to speed with, you know, 15-year-olds today? Or was it a more mercenary play where it's like, Oh, well, Blizzard's going to foot the bill for, you know, 8 million of this project or however much, you know, uh, yeah, we'll put a bunch of crap in there. What's the that's problem fine. with saying both? Uh, that's yeah, no, I mean, it could be both. I'm just saying which one came first. If I you want to wait the two of them, which one comes in heavier? Um, I would say it's probably footing the bill because at the end it all comes down to the bottom line, right? Yes. Because you can have any character you want walk up, but Jim Rayner walks up because Blizzard is footing the bill. Right. Like, that's an opportunity for the studio to say, hey, we have these number of product placement opportunities. Who wants them and who's willing to pay? But the the nice thing about it is that in a movie like this, it's much more um, acceptable and enjoyable yes. than Rita Repulsa going to Krispy Kreme in the middle of the battle sequence. Okay, you know what that I mean? was awful. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, there there are ways to do product placement. And this this was a pretty good one because obviously this movie fits those things in very well. Well, and it yeah, fits part of the it's part of the premise of the plot where the idea of this corporation trying to take over the Oasis so that they can cover the viewers viewport with 85. percent Oh my gosh, I, that made me cringe just a little that bit. That was so just god awful. That was it, the worst. I I chuckled. <laughs> I chuckled quite loudly Which, actually in the theater. My master plan. Papa Bands. <laughs> oh. Like you've got to be kidding me. It's the joke that we are that in improv anytime someone will throw out the matrix and we do scenes not seen or something like that. Yeah. yeah. It's it's pop-up ads. Like, that's always the go-to. <laughs> sure. so I was like, "Oh, look, it's it's the matrix joke." Um yeah, yeah though the that part really fell flat for me it was a little bit that so that was better in the book for me that just the the stakes yeah. um where it was um it made a little bit more sense where it was like there there will be a monthly fee and we're gonna price out all the poor people and like and and i mean even that is a little bit kind of like eye rolling 
you're just like oh corporations are bad corporations want to murder you like that's the book felt a little heavy-handed that way but the movie just takes that and ratchets that up yeah again it distills it to a fine brandy and says like ha 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 i'm gonna twirl my mustaches and give you pop-up ads and like the idea of uh yeah we found that we can reach 85 percent screen saturation before uh, causing a before, seizure before, before seizures before epilepsy. It. it's like oh my yeah. gosh <laughs> <sighs> it's it's an extreme there it's so anyway, yeah. that that was one of the weakest moments. That being said, uh, Ben Mendelsohn was delightful. Like once again, love that guy. He's a great bad guy. So yeah, he's, he's just a great bad guy. Very menacing. So other than that, though, that was man. I hated that bit. I figured you would. Yeah. <laughs> well, can, I mean, look. How? Like, at what point does is it just like jumping the leftist shark, right? Now Dude. and I don't feel like I don't feel like I'm being overly political in my in my point here where it's just you know what I mean like it's so it it's so pathetic there's I, I I agree that this this is a way of taking it and I wish I remembered the term where you take an argument to absurd levels to try and yeah. showcase it sure like I yes that's the case but it's not so far out of the realm of possibility that that's a legitimate sort of concept like the the un the undistilled <laughs> the undistilled version of that raw like, the raw, raw version. version. Well, I mean, you look at what's happening currently with Facebook and, and the sharing, like all the stuff that's going on with the information that they're sharing, what you're they're taking. Like, I'm not saying corporations are bad. I'm not saying that any of those those things there. I'm just saying that there are practices that don't seem ethical in the real world. That sure. This kind of alludes. This is an ex, an extreme of it. But the concept behind it, when you water it down and come back to what is probably closer to the reality, is a re- that that is. Something I guess there. I'm just thinking of like every time Facebook gets a little too just even a little bit too carried away with advertisements, people get pissed, and you know, and they end up there's such a hue and outcry that uh, that they end up backing off that and saying, oh, okay, we're gonna make it more about people now, and and you know, so the idea. I guess, like you say, this is sort of an argument ad absurdum, kind of mm-hmm. the, this, it, it's taking it to the logical extreme, which is, uh, which Putting is ridiculous. Epileptic shock. Right. But even then, I, I guess. <sighs> so I look at it, I, I looked at that and I said to myself, is this the logical extreme based on the games that we're playing right now? One of the, one of the things you asked earlier, what are we doing with our week? Um, my my wife's been out How of town. How many loot boxes did you buy with your wife out of town? How <laughs> my, many loot boxes? Zero. Oh, good. Zero. Because my I, I've been playing a I've been playing a game on my phone and I've been playing a, I've been playing it a lot. Um, but I but my my goal for myself on these is I never buy anything. I don't spend any money on these things. I'm going to take every every ounce of free money that they're going to be throwing at free gameplay, and I just abuse it mercilessly. And I play I play these games to get everything I can without ever having to pay for it. And and yet, with with all of that, one of the things that they keep doing is they keep saying, well, we'll give you more free stuff if you watch an ad. We'll give you free stuff if you watch an ad. Yep. And I keep saying to myself, I, I wonder if that is the logical, uh, the logical outgrowth of all of that, is that there's going to be enough advertisement around that is incentivized for that advertisement piece that we just don't get away from it. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm bored of talking about advertisements now, so... Um, oh sure, he can go off on a tangent. No, no, no. I'm just I I let you finish. Or on a tear. 
I let you finish. You did. You did. I don't, I I don't, even, I don't want to hear this. Um, but I, I will say, I, I kind of a parting shot on this one. And this is, uh, I stole this point. So this is not a point original to me, but I really, really liked it. Uh, it was from Sonny Bunch, uh, who reviews for the Washington Free Beacon okay. um, and the Washington Post. Um, he was writing about this and, and, and how the the movie kind of goes one step further than the book in one key area that I think makes it better um, in, in, a, in a, how do I say this? It makes it better in a very key area, a very important area. And what it does is um, in the book, the idea is that mega fandom is fun and it's awesome and it's worthwhile. And then at the end of the book, they kind of he tacks on this idea that maybe the real world is better than the fake one. And maybe you should think about that a little bit. But it's really kind of just tacked on there at the end. Yeah. In the movie, um, he correctly takes Spielberg yes. takes the opposite approach. And he says, he says he's kind of cautioning us to live in a way that we won't regret our decisions in yeah. middle age or later in life. Um, wasting too much time online is regrettable you know but you know he has the caveat in there yeah it's fun go waste a little bit of time that's fine go play games have fun whatever but uh, but he leans Spielberg I mean leans much more heavily on the don't think this is real life don't do anything you're gonna regret don't miss opportunities in the real world in the real world uh, based on your online stuff or in the case of um of halliday and kind of missing his chance with the girl yeah it's it wasn't about the game at that point it was just kind of um not not taking that step right yeah um and so anyway i liked that a lot Agreed. better it's it's more a uh in that way the theme is more adult in the movie than it is in the book yeah um a little bit more mature one of the things that i picked up as i was uh af- after watching the film and and getting a chance because i i normally will uh, avoid reading any kind of commentary or reviews until after i've had a chance to see it but one of the one of the reviews that i said uh gave an indication that this movie could not have that that the, that the movie pushes some themes that it may not have pushed had it not been for gamergate um, and for the, which I did not follow and still don't really know much about because I don't care. Just the idea that that um, that the video game the the video game players um, and the and the way that the community of video game players works is very sexist. It's very um, and and, and <laughs> was very. This, was this news? Uh, it was not news, but the way that it was the way that it was then pushed and several video game players were were treated um in in media terms they were they were they were treated very aggressively very violently um death threats and all kinds of things because of the stand that they were taking about how video games should change um and so there was a there was a statement that one of the reviewers made that said if this book had come out five years later it would never have worked because everything that it was trying to evangelize, everything that it was trying to glorify, um, Gamergate had come out and said, all of that is bunk, and we need to avoid it as much as we possibly can. And so right. that had a very, and, and the contention that he had was that that had a part to play in the spin that the that Spielberg took on the film. It so that was be. interesting, could too. Could be, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, Ryan, any final thoughts on Ready Player One? Um. <clears throat> This movie, if you want to have a good discussion about 
this movie and its adaptation, inspiration, whatever you want to call it. We have had this discussion before with other similar pieces. Yes, we have. Um, the idea of honoring the source material versus just totally disregarding it. Sure. This movie and this your where you stand on it will be based on an individual thing. There's no objective line to draw in the sand on this one. Um, I think that this movie for probably 75% of this film honored the source material, even though it did not showcase large portions of it. We talked about this. I mean, it's not, it's the spirit of the film or the spirit of the book really comes through very well. But the question then that I have to, that I ask and I want people to think about a little bit is then what, what was not honored of the source material and did it and should it have been right um there are a few elements that are key to the book that i think that they mattered enough that they should have been a bigger deal in this story um and that is things like the gunters becoming a a coming together as a group and a friends you know they right. definitely power rangered it like right. we're all going to come together and be and and work for this together as, as opposed to them all just happening to live within two miles of each other in Columbus, Ohio. Right. And, yeah. It's, whereas in the book, we're dealing with, like, there's no clan. Like, there's no working together. There's, until, like, it becomes absolutely necessary. They are very much an individualistic group. And that's one area where I feel like you could have told that story with what you were doing without throwing anything else. Yep. And I feel that's an important piece to this story. And not once should any of those lead characters have said, I don't know about Halliday. Oh, yeah. That that kind of bothered me a little bit. Like, just a little. The, the, it's a couple areas. It's not as a whole. Does it ruin the movie? No. It doesn't ruin the movie as a whole. But it's a couple areas where you could have made another decision that would not have altered the choices that you made going forward with this and been a little more true to the spirit of what was going on there. Right, Agreed. right. So that being said, other than those elements, I've already told you what my recommendation is. Absolutely go see it. If you haven't read the book, read yeah. the book after. Yeah. If you have read the book, just be aware you're not going to see what you read on the pages. You're going to see the feel of what you read on the pages. And yeah, and that's probably the best way to say it. Okay. I like that. Yeah, very good. Uh, we man, we didn't even talk about Spielberg not putting in his own stuff, like referencing much of his own stuff. We didn't talk about the lack of George Lucas material. We didn't like. <laughs> there is some. There's some stuff to mine there. Kind um, of the T Rex was a big. The T Rex. Well, the T Rex was, was the big, and maybe the only one. I'm well, not isn't, sure. Isn't Iron Giant a Spielberg property? I don't know. I don't know. I'm but to um, anyway, but there is a distinct lack of jaws and indiana jones and uh, close encounters and all that stuff so yeah anyway there's there is stuff to be mined there i don't know if we want to take all that time today but i can recommend places where you go listen to that i would so. love to have another conversation with people maybe on reddit i don't know if that's a day that might be a dangerous thing to put to the internet um about the representation of both h and um sam what? artemis Yes. <laughs> Thank you for giving me both of the names. <laughs> Their representation in the film. How did it, do you feel that they that they did a good job, not just with those characters, but with females? Like that's it's something that I find mm. interesting, especially now. Yeah, and I in don't a, in a very especially bringing up Gamergate, like in a world that is very male driven. Did they do a good job showcasing these women? 
the, for me, I, it's just really difficult for me to answer. When I, I was, I flippantly said earlier, I don't care about that stuff. It's not that I like. <laughs> how do I, how do I put this? It's not that I care. It's not that I don't care that uh, women have you know equality and representation and all this stuff. It's not that. It's that um, I don't know enough about it to to be able to comment and i tend to take things on a case-by-case basis and Mm -hmm. so when i when i watch this i'm not thinking of this whole backstory of gamergate and the 35 years of game uh game development history and all this stuff like i'm just watching the movie and going uh okay that's interesting i agree i don't or not i i right now there's a lot of a lot of movies that they cash in on the not civil, I don't want to use the term civil rights movement. The they cash in on that portion of what's happening right now. Yeah, sure. I'm, Black Panther is a fantastic movie. I wasn't here for the discussion on that. Oh man, I, it was a good. That was. It was I wonderful. love that. It was film. an episode. I love that. I think it was fantastic. It was really good, and it does it does something that movies that they haven't done in the past. But you better believe one hundred percent that Marvel knew that they were riding a wave to increased success on that in the decisions that they made you know what that's okay if that is if it gives you, you mean like commenting win-win. on commenting on social issues contemporary social issues C- commenting on content uh, from casting decisions to commentary through the whole process yeah absolutely riding that wave but the thing is that that's not there i just i don't want that to be the sole reason they make decisions and i don't think that it was no it wasn't and i think that showcasing a benefit for doing that is is worthwhile like yeah, a I'm good not... return is is a good sign that this is something that's worth continuing i just I... i'm not sure that ready player one did anything in that sphere Mm-mm. i'm not sure that it was offensive um no. unless i guess maybe some people who were just reflexively offended by the book for one reason or another would have been offended by the movie for probably largely the same reasons um or maybe not i i think you know the there's the the flourish that he adds at the end with Artemis at, in the book, uh, with Artemis sitting at the center of the maze and he, she's like his prize and all that stuff. And like, mm-hmm. so, you know, somebody wants to complain about that. Yeah. I'm not going to fight you very hard. Um, or at all. And, and they kind of get rid of that stuff in the movie. So maybe they did do it a little bit better, but, uh, I'm not sure that they, that Spielberg really did anything to further the cause I, of I, feminism. I, in yeah, this movie. I don't, I don't think he was, I don't think he was, I don't think he was pushing the issue. I think there might have been people saying, "Hey, this is these are things we need to think about uh as they were working through some of those kinds of casting decisions and other pieces of the other pieces of the narrative that were going on, but I'm not sure that it was a I'm not sure that it was an overt um I don't think well, that I agree that I don't believe that it's it's any of it was aimed to be commentary or anything like that. I am just appreciative of noticing when the little times when I can notice that whether it was a conscious decision or subconscious, doesn't matter. The decision was made to to do something in a way that makes that showcases whether it be a woman or a minority group, or whatever, in a positive light. Yeah, yeah. And or to they could very easily, other than a few sequences at the beginning where they where it's Artemis in the Oasis. <laughs> when you meet Sam, yeah. they don't go through the process of sexualizing her the same way. This is a lot deeper than you wanted for final thoughts. I know. Yeah, I, I, yeah. But that's true. It's it's things like that though that I have, I am starting to appreciate and be aware of more. Yeah. And I I just I think it's worth taking just even just a couple moments to go. Yeah. I was aware that they made some better decisions there than maybe would have been made in the past. Yes, agreed. 
so speaking of uh, making decisions, especially casting decisions like uh, Todd brought up, <laughs> it's really, really easy to cast a movie uh, when you are when you know that you're going to be directing it and you know you're going to be the star and that your wife wants to star right alongside you. Yes. Um, so, Ryan, tell us a little bit about uh, A Quiet Place. So, yeah, I went and saw A Quiet Place because I thought you and... nobody Nobody's commenting on my transition. Not one person. Isn't that the sign of a good transition? We don't need to... <laughs> All right, go on. So, A Quiet Place. Um, first of all, I know we already gave the spoiler alert ahead of this, but you cannot very easily talk about this movie without spoiling a couple of things. Um, this is a movie that I absolutely loved and I absolutely hated at the exact same time. And that's a good thing. Um, I am so impressed with John Krasinski's directing in this. Um, I knew from the get-go, you know from the establishing scene where we first kind of set up the premise of what's going on, that this was not going to be what I expected it to be and that they are not opposed to doing things that you would not expect to be done in a film normally. So I was like, okay, everything's fair game. Everything is fair game in this story. Um, if you want a, a lot of people who have seen it are comparing it to signs. That is probably the easiest comparison you can make in terms of, what this story is like mm -hmm. but imagine signs made more adult and with higher stakes like it's a big deal um and you spend the majority of the film in silence i mean relatively the spoken speaking. silence they've still got like a soundtrack and everything right yeah you still hear you know nature sounds and things going on um but the family speaks in sign language and only makes minimal noise because these creatures are attracted by sound. That's the premise of what's put in the trailer and everything. Um, the movie moves pretty quick. There's only one little section where you, I kind of dove, I didn't doze, but I kind of got checked out a little checked bit. Out a little bit. Yeah. But otherwise, pretty much there's a certain point in the film where things start happening and you just, you're edge of your seat the whole time. And I would recommend if you have the opportunity. More like edge of tomorrow. <laughs> I would recommend that you see it in in IMAX or whatever the highest quality sound and largest picture you can get. Yeah, you need that sound for this uh, completely silent movie. It surprisingly... <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know. I'm, I'm just kidding. It's... Um, and I will tell you that... You are really struggling to talk about this without spoiling it, aren't you? I mean, I, I, I really think you... like. So people should go see this. So I should go see this without getting love, it spoiled. The thing is, like, the people that I know personally um, who have talked to me about this, like, should I go see this? I Because I know you, I can say, you will like this movie. You will like this movie. Other people, like uh, my wife, some other people, you will not like this movie. <laughs> yeah. Not And here's the thing. If you're thinking, oh, no, horror film, I don't like horror films, I don't like horror films. Going to this was kind of a, a step out of the box for me. I would not classify this as the sort of horror that most people do, that people like me thriller, don't like. Thriller with horror elements? Yes. Yes. I mean, there's a monster, and the monster is scary, and there's a lot of jump scares and things like that. There's not much by way of gore or anything like that. And then little moments. I I've I really I, I very much appreciate John Krasinski could have done some very some graphic, Eli, Eli Roth type stuff. Sure. Um 
the worst one is watching a raccoon explode. Like, oh, nice. Like, that's like uh, the worst okay. thing. You well, see some entrails. I'll see but... you guys later. I'm going to go see a movie. <laughs> um, but so if you're going to go see it, go see it with in the highest quality, everything you can, because it enhances this film quite a bit. Um, and be prepared to be upset. Um, it has an ending that will be polarizing. Okay. You will either go, that was the best that that is how you end this movie. Or you will go, really? That's, that's where we're going to cut this. That's where we're going to go. Cause it have John huddled in a corner facing the wall. No. Or whatever his name was. Um, okay. All right. Like I said, I love no, this. Emily I loved it. The story was, story was fantastic. I was pissed at some of the decisions regarding who makes it and who doesn't. Okay. Oh, All wow. right. Okay. Um, have either of you watched Jessica Jones season two? Yes. Yes. You have the yeah. whole thing, Ryan. Uh, I think I've got... have you started it. I have not. Okay. Um, <laughs> my TV is currently being owned Here's by the my thing. child. You're yeah, you're about you to you're about to get into a new play, and so I'm not worried about spoiling this for you because if you see it, it won't be for another year. Um, you'll have forgotten everything by then. Yeah. So like, are you kidding? I could go watch it when I get home, and I will have forgotten what Craig said. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so just a, a quick recap and again, spoilers heads up. Uh, so Jessica's best friend, Trish, who you remember from season one, she's on the hunt, uh, or she's on this investigation. She's still got a radio show and she's talking about this stuff because she found out that 20 days are missing from, from Jessica's Jessica, life yeah. from when she was in this accident. And when she woke up from this accident, she had powers and what happened during these 20 days. And so she starts investigating and she digs up some super shady stuff involving illegal experiments on Jessica. Um, and the more she digs, the more people die. Oh. Um, so Jessica and the Trish... The body count ramps up in this show. So, well, Jessica and Trish and, uh, and Malcolm, I guess, investigate stuff and they find Jessica's mom and they solve the mystery in like episode 7 of 13. And then the show keeps going oh. and Jerry Hogarth is there uh, but she's dying and we wish that she would just get on with it maybe um, but anyway so that's that's a about endorsement that's a, wow that's well that's just my recap look okay so the central <laughs> the central question of Jessica Jones season two what's our timestamp by the way we're at 53 minutes oh okay so we got a few minutes um, our, our central question is whether what you do makes you who you are and so Jessica killed Kilgrave. So is she a killer? Um, it, the literalists obviously would say, well, yeah, duh. Yeah, she's a killer because she killed him. But no, that's not, the question is harder than that. And it's, I think it's applicable to the rest of us. Like I said, it's an interesting question. Um, or maybe I didn't, but now I have. Uh, if you lie, are you a liar? Um, but what about, what if you lie twice? Or is it a matter of degree? Is it not about how many times you lie? Is it about, you know, what do you lie about? At what point are you a liar? Can you yeah. be defined by that, right? And so you can you can send that to any number of things. What if you cheat? If you drink too much? If you uh, if you Take drugs. watch watch cop rock on repeat or whatever? Yeah. Um. At what point do do mistakes become the things that define us? And so I think it's really interesting territory to cover. It's just too bad that the show sucked. Um, wow. Yeah, I really liked Jessica Jones season one. 
really liked it a lot and i will go to bat for season one but season two is just a mess season... it's got these interesting ideas but the storyline just meanders nowhere season so often season two was not as tight as season one and i think the reason why is that they didn't have a clear villain in this whole they had a they had a the... conglomerate that they wanted to work around and they wanted to they wanted to make a whole bunch of people victims of this bad conglomerate and so there was no clear villain it's a double problem though because there's no clear villain and there's no clear hero uh, in season 1 so in season 1 Jessica is she's broken down and sarcastic and she's like this caustic drunk but she still did most of what she did with this kind of wry smirk right and, and there's still somewhere there's a weird sort of optimistic heart in the middle of a story about like rape and abuse and addiction and all this stuff, but they still managed to maintain some sort of um, moral high ground. No, I, I was going to say good naturedness or okay. uh, good humor somewhere within that show as serious as it was. But season two has none of that. Everyone is miserable all the time about everything. They make horrible decisions and they're constantly paying for them. Everybody's jealous. They're angry. They're, they're always ready to betray each other at a moment's notice for almost no reason. Uh, not one of them thinks that they might be doing the wrong thing ever. These are not people. None of them are people to root for versus season one where despite her faults, you're rooting for Jessica against, like mm. you said, against a very clear villain who has done some very clearly villainous things. Whereas in this one, the villain is this guy who was doing these experiments and once you meet the guy, you're like, yeah, you probably shouldn't have done that, but you seem like a decent chap, all yeah. things considered. I So I just think from a characterization point of view and from a storytelling view, as far as that meandering storyline, just a giant cluster something. It's not not good. I'm, I'm kind of curious. I don't know if they have a requirement for a certain number of episodes per season of something. I've always hated that. Yeah. You have 21 episodes, 23 episodes in a season, whatever it is. Or 24. You know, whatever it is, tell your story in whatever amount of time it takes to tell it clear and everything there. And I, I'm curious if, based on what I'm hearing here with Jessica Jones not having seen any of it, mm -hmm. I'm wondering if it was a, yeah, we've got this great story that covers seven episodes. Seven episodes. Absolutely. So, but we need to do 13. Because that's what Netflix ordered. Yeah. So how do we stretch out versus... It's the it's one of the few things, not one of the few things. I think BBC does a lot of things right. One of the things I've appreciated about a lot of their series and their things is, once they've told their story for the most part, it's over. They're they're off. Yeah, we're done. Three like, three three episodes in a season of Sherlock, and everybody comes back screaming for more. Well, there are different reasons for that too. But, uh, absolutely, but the but the but the point, premise. But you look taken. at yeah. Black Mirror. You look at um, what was that one about the clone? you really liked for a oh, while. Uh, um, Altered Carbon? No, no, no. no. Um, it's uh, Orphan gosh, Black. Orphan Black. What a great show. Orphan Black. Things like that. Like, I don't know if those were tied into a, a time, like we have to have so many episodes, but they did a good job of, I, I hate those mid-season fillers that we get in a lot of American yeah. television and everything. It's, we need to have a secondary little subplot that yeah, circles around think, to fill four episodes. I think this will end up going away because what you're talking about, like we have to fill X number of episodes because that's what was ordered. That's a leftover from the old uh, studio system. And so as the old studio system uh, goes away or morphs into something else more likely, yeah, that, that'll change. I don't know that it will morph into something better 
or that you know that we're going to get what we're asking for right now but i don't think it'll remain the same much longer well and i think part of it may be just approaching i don't we don't know the process of the netflix order system right you know if it comes to them we're saying we want 13 episodes or if they say we will pay two million dollars per episode up to this or whatever it is that they're doing for right. that and if that's the case then it's you know these groups saying well then we got to write a few extra episodes to try and to yeah grab that cash grab that extra cash sure. the other thing we don't know and and this could be this could be something worth talking about maybe or or worth watching for um and i felt kind of the same way with luke cage luke cage was a um i don't know if you watched the luke I, cage series. i made it through about a half hour of the first episode and just gave up okay so again, Luke Cage deals with uh, with some thematic material and some and some perspectives that are not necessarily ones that are that that I can easily comment on because I don't live in the hood and I'm I'm not facing some of the I don't live in New York City and I've seen your scalp it's very white and it's very white um, but there are there are a lot of there are a lot of issues at play that were explored in kind of a roundabout rambling way in Luke Cage as well. Um, and I, I'm wondering if this is part of the Marvel universe trying to figure out how they explore some of these issues without, without, um, losing their family friendly appearance or at least their family friendly veneer on these shows, mm -hmm. uh, because they certainly are not family friendly shows, No, but they are, but they are but also, also not, not quite uh, paid cable material. Correct. Correct. They're not, they're not. Uh, have have a sex scene. Don't show any nipples. Um, have okay. Have yeah, that's language, great way to say it. Have language, but stay away from the f word. Yeah, and only so many shits uh, before we before shit. we. Yeah. So I I wonder if I wonder if I, I'm not sure if it's um if it's the Marvel Universe showrunners that are saying these are issues that we want to explore and we want to do it with these characters because we can, or if it is. Uh, the group that is taking these and saying, "Gee, we've got we've got kind of carte blanche to be able to do this here, and we don't need to worry about the source material because very few people know them. Those of us who do know the source material, I, I look at I look at the Jessica Jones and the Luke the Luke Cage series, and I go, yeah, those are those are stories that are in line with those characters. They were, and and I found um, at least through the first half of season two and Jessica Jones um, that they were doing a great job." And then they kind of get lost in some of these other issues. And I wonder if what they're doing is they're saying we can explore these or if they're saying we're setting the stage for a season three and we're going to pull some of these threads together and have them make sense further down. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. I just really did not enjoy my time with season two. Uh, I made and, my and, way through it. I made my th way through it. I, I got, uh, again, seven or eight episodes in and I was like, I was like, oh, I should just be done with this. But then I thought, ah, oh, you know, maybe I'll just go through it so that I can talk about it on the podcast. Well, let me tell you something. You guys aren't worth it. I'm not doing that again. <laughs> so All That's right. a sweet nothing you wanted whispered in your ear. This, this. <laughs> You're not worth it. No. You're not, not worthy. So uh, anyway, we, we probably better wrap it up. But here's yeah. what I want to do. Um I want to record a little something extra for the patrons on Patreon. So if you've uh, uh, if you've pledged three dollars or more on Patreon, there will be a little bit of extra audio. I think uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit about Disneyland or something. Ooh, that'd be um, fun. And uh, anyway, so we'll do that. If you are a Patreon, if you are a p 
patron, hang around for that. Go check. And drunk work chips. Go go check the feed on that, uh, and we'll have that up soon. Otherwise, um, I am very much looking forward to next week's first episode on The Name of the Wind. I have got a ton of notes, and um, a lot of them are good, a lot of them are bad. I'm just, I'm very interested to talk about this book. I think there's a ton to go through. And so thank you everybody who has uh, already started the conversation on Reddit. That's been awesome. And I'm trying to think. Yeah, go to thelegendarium.reddit.com to join the discussion there. Go to patreon.com slash legendarium to support the show. And I'm going to try to do a little bit better than I have. And, you know, having those extra things there, especially for the $3 and above folks, um, Otherwise, I think we're good. Ryan, anything else that I'm missing? Don't think so. Okay. All right. Uh, Todd, we'll see you some other time because you're not oh. on Name of the Wind. So I know. I know. Uh, so thank goodness we get a break, but we'll have you back in at some point. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye.